dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in god's country crops far as i can see the headlights on both ends of my day this country Welcome, folks, to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Jennifer Amlatsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hi, Jenny. So, we are coming to you live from the trade show at Commodity Classic 2020 here in San Antonio, Texas. It has been a whirlwind of a gathering, hasn't been, hasn't Kayleen? Yeah, so far, so good. You've been here a full day more than I have. Um, you covered the sorghum session yesterday. What was some of the big topics that came out of there? trade. <laughs> trade is on everybody's mind, doesn't it? Yeah, they talked a lot about trade and what's going on with the president and all that election good stuff. So um, what are they, are they still looking to uh, China as a big trading partner for U.S. sorghum or are we looking to other places? They said this morning in one of the meetings that I was in that they're expecting China to buy a lot of sorghum now that everything's hopefully taken care of and because they have a, have a taste for sorghum they use it to make a sort of grain alcohol <laughs> that they like you know what i i find that alcohol really it, once that's a product then you um that really kind of greases the wheels for all yeah, trade you gotta have it <laughs> <laughs> well so what else have you learned from the press conferences today you want me to regurgitate them? Because I don't know that I could. <laughs> I just came out of the uh, Bayer Farm Bureau one. They have joined forces and are building on Bayer's Farm State of Mind campaign and trying to get uh, mental health help available for farmers and ranchers that are served by the American Farm Bureau. You know, that's something that we've been talking about a little bit on the podcast lately, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's really critical. So they are expanding rural mental health. So are we talking about expanding the number of um, service providers or trying to reach them? What's the rural resilience campaign? What's a little bit more about that? Bayer State of Mind campaign is an initiative to raise mental health awareness among the farming community uh, via Farm Bureau. It aims to reduce the stigma surrounding the topic of mental health in rural communities and provide relevant information to farm families on this important topic. They're wanting to get the word out. They want people to find the resources they need and the, the different things that are available out there. Okay, okay. Well, hey, while you've been out there gathering news, um, I've been on the trade show. How's that? <laughs> you know what? My feet are, uh, are little, little bark. My dogs are barking. I'm not going to lie to you. I have put on just under 10,000 steps today. So you reached your goal today? I have reached my goal pretty much. Um, but it's kind of interesting to talk to people about what's new and exciting. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of um, digital products out there for the, the farmer that wants to utilize a lot of information technology in their, um, in their cropping system. There is all sorts of way to gather data, all sorts of way to regurgitate data, data yeah. you know, and make those decisions. 
Um, talked with uh, some folks that have some new crop protection products available, and we're going to have some of them later on in, in later episodes of HPJ Talk, by the way. We'll be uh, bringing on those interviews um, throughout the next couple of months, so that way you can understand what's new and latest and greatest stuff. Um, stop by a few equipment manufacturers today, and I'll hit a couple more tomorrow. Yeah. I listened in on the case, all their new new offerings in the redesigned tractor, so it's pretty nice. neat. Nice. Uh, tomorrow I get to talk to Agco and Fent folks and talk to them. Um, today I went over to John Deere and said, hey, they were John Deere friends. Yeah. And some of you folks might be familiar with that because uh, they just helped to sponsor uh, Alfalfa U. Um, with Alpharex, and so they've got some new forage uh, equipment that's going to be really handy. Um, let's see here. Who else did I talk to? There's just a lot of um, new products, new services, a lot of new game changers that are going to shape the ag of the future. I'm telling you what, Kayleen, I've been coming to Classic, Commodity Classic, for close to 19 years, on and off. <laughs> and They've had it for 24 years. You, know, you haven't been to all of them. I haven't been to all of them. <laughs> And next year will be the, the 25th anniversary classic, by the way. Um, yeah, it, it's fascinating to me. What was new and cutting edge in 2000 is old school today. Yeah, completely old school. Right? <laughs> I can't imagine some of the stuff that we have today. I never could have imagined that as a graduating senior out of Kansas State, that we're going to have you know, what we have available to us in our cell phones in our pockets. Yeah, I agree. It's ever-changing. It is, it is. Looks like tomorrow we'll hear from U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, which Secretary Perdue is on a whirlwind tour of major commodity and ag organization gatherings this year from Farm Bureau to NCBA and now to Classic. You know, I will be very curious to hear what he has to say about the president promising them via Twitter, yet another MFP payment. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that several times today. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we've got a little bit of delays in trade restarting that are affecting some farmers' planning decisions mm-hmm. coming into this spring. You know, 2019 was also a year of all years to end all years. I'm, I'm afraid it's like Beetlejuice. If we say 2019 too many times, we're going to come back and <laughs> it's have, come, yeah, come back and bite come us. Back and bite us. But, um, you know, that's got to go, that's got to play a role in a lot of guys' planning decisions as far as going forward. Um, I'll be interested to hear what uh, Secretary Purdue has to say about the coronavirus and its effect on ag trade. That's been another topic of conversation around here. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that too. And um, of course, movement in implementing the current trade deal wins, USMCA. Of course, those current trade deal wins like USMCA and the phase one China deal. Yeah, we'll just have to see. If you all have a comment or a thought, drop us a line at hpjtalk at hpj.com and let us know. Or you can call us at the office, 1-800-452-7171. Hey, you can also do us a favor and head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. So in this week's episode, we'll bring you the stories you might have missed in the February 24th print edition. We'll have a chat with Dan Kittredge, one of our speakers at the Soil Health U, who will talk about nutrient density in food. Uh, Kayleen's going to bring us the latest on grain markets, and we'll have those final thoughts. So if you're fortunate enough to be seeing sunlight instead of overcast skies like we are. Or the outside of a building. (laughs) (laughs) Get yourself on outside Mm -hmm. and get some work done. But bring us along so you can ride with us on HPJ Talk.
Our cover story this week was from you, Jenny. Healthy soils lead to healthy food and added value for all. You know, that's right, Kayleen. And later on in the cast, we'll hear from Dan Kittredge, speaker at Soil Health U, about how soil health can play a role in boosting the nutrient density of our foods. It's a topic that many in the soil health world are starting to discuss in research. Inside, we'll have a story from Lacey Newland. Rural High School Agriculture Program inspires youth to pursue agriculture careers. Chris Johnston of Elk Valley School in Longton, Kansas, has turned the school's FFA program around and into a way to draw youth into agricultural careers. So on our opinion and editorials page, Lacey has the editorial as well, celebrating National FFA Week. Seymour clearly writes about Michael Bloomberg digging a hole with farmers, and Darvin Benchledge out of Missouri, Patty Naylor of Iowa, John Hartner of South Dakota, and Christopher Mosel of Minnesota wrote a joint letter to the editor urging Congress to reject the new NAFTA. On the livestock pages, copy editor Jennifer Thewer writes about livestock markets offer value to producers. If you have a response to something you've heard or read, Please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com, and we want to hear from you. This is Jennifer Latsky, and I am on site at our 2020 Soil Health U here in Salina, Kansas today. And joining us on the podcast is Dan Kittredge. Um, you're a CEO of the Bionutrient Association, correct? Executive and, director. Executive director. Yes. Um, and you came out and, and you're speaking here about bionutrition. And now I've heard the term biofortification and I've heard nutrient density. Yeah. Um, and we've now got bio bionutrition. <laughs> so let's talk about the difference of those terms and what they mean and, and what's the topic for people that may not understand. Isn't all food the same? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I don't use the term bionutrition. I, I mean, we coined the term bionutrient uh, when naming our organization to refer to those compounds which are created in living systems, mm-hmm. um, which are present at very different levels depending on how the crop is grown. Um, So yeah, nutrient density is the term that is oftentimes used to refer to this concept. Um, The sort of the the practical experience is, I like to use the example of, you know, a tomato from the grocery store in January versus a tomato from the vine in August. Um, You know as an animal with your instinct called your tongue and your nose, that there's a big difference between those two tomatoes. And if you were to take those two tomatoes and send them to a lab for assessment, you'd find some pretty significant differences from a nutritional standpoint. Um, the USDA, you know, has a definition of what a tomato is based on averages from the tomato from the shelf. And that's what the scientists will say is in a tomato. But as we all know, there's no average cow or no average chicken or no average human. There's no average tomato. So... Um, what is the bionutrient level in that tomato has a lot to do with how it was grown. Biofortification is a process whereby, you know, vitamin D3 is added to your milk or, you know, I don't know, um, iron is added to your Wheaties or something. Or Um, breed it into the plant? um, I think that's more genetic modification. Biofortification is when they will say vitamin D3 added or vitamin C added, when they will take synthesized compounds 
which are not naturally occurring and are not recognized by our bodies as the natural versions of those compounds, and they'll put them into your food so they can say that you've got a certain amount of vitamin D3 in your milk um, because it's not in the milk like it used to be because the cows aren't eating grass anymore mm. because they're eating grain, okay. which is not what cows are supposed to be eating. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> well, now, um, it was interesting because... Uh, First off, when we talk about this, we've got to figure out how to measure this. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you can measure it, you can manage it, as my, as my dad used to tell me. So um, your organization is putting together an actual tool that you should be able to use to measure the bio-nutrition of a piece of produce on the shelf mm-hmm. at some point in time, two years from now or two months from now or, or you know, when that concept is, is proven. So let's talk about that. And what do we call that again? <laughs> Um, <laughs> marketing has never been one of our strong suits. We're too busy doing the work to bother with what it's called. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, the idea is that you can measure what's in a food um, that we would like anyone to be able to do that at the grocery store or at the farmer's market um, with a small little handheld sensor the size of a smartphone or not much larger to literally flash a light at a carrot and get a reading back in real time that says this is a relatively poor quality carrot or a mediocre carrot or even a high quality carrot. Um, Our thought is that if people had the ability to choose their food based on its nutritional value, they would choose the food that's more nutritious and leave the stuff that's less nutritious on the shelf. And so um, that's the project we're engaging in. There's a couple steps to it. One is building the meter. Uh, We've got a basic meter built and available. And the second step is to figure out what the variation is because there's no data out there yet that says this is what's in a high-quality carrot and this is what's in a low-quality carrot. No one's done that research. And so we've been doing that now for a couple of years, and we got a pretty good outline of what that looks like. And so here now by March or April of 2020, um, we expect to have our meter work for our first four crops. And so it's a work in progress. It'll probably be another couple of years until we've got a real slick unit that, you know, you, um, you don't mind <laughs> having in your purse or whatever. Uh, but um, And it's calibrated to meat and milk and everything else. Uh, it's a process, but it's going along nice. So what we can measure, we can manage. So let's talk about soil health and managing for bionutrition. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the, the really neat story threads or storylines of the whole soil health movement is if we can do it this way, not only do we benefit the ground, not only do we benefit the community, not only do we benefit the farmer, but we also can end up with crops and fruits and vegetables that um, not only taste better, but they have more nutrition packed in every bite. So um, how do we go, how do we, how do we manage that? Uh, that's the third step of the project. Step one, build the tool. Step two, figure out what the variation is. And step three, figure out what causes it. Um, we want to be able to support growers in changing their practices to ensure that they're producing crops that are more nutritious. Our best guess now, based on what we understand, is that those exact practices that build soil um, and reduce pest and disease pressure are the exact same practices that increase nutrient levels in food. And our thought is that if we can give consumers and buyers the ability to choose what they purchase based on nutritional value, there's going to be a price premium for those growers who are following soil health practices, et cetera, et cetera. 
a real serious price premium. You know, we can talk about carbon dollars per ton per acre, and it may be a couple bucks here and there, but um, you're talking 20, 50% margins for premium quality grains. You're, you know, all of a sudden the economics look really quite exciting. And so um, <clears throat> if there's an incentive here where we can align people's, you know, best interest for themselves and their families for being healthier and the farm viability and the environmental health um, doesn't seem like a bad thing to be working on. So I thought it was interesting um, in that, in, in your session this morning uh, or this afternoon, you had mentioned that when you're looking at a piece of fruit and you, you know, you're looking at the spectrometry, uh, spectrometer readings yeah. of it, organic, locally grown, conventionally grown, there's not really, you're not looking at the labels. Sometimes the labels don't match up with your expectations. Is that right? Maybe you can explain that a little bit better because it, it paused my, my, it, it caught my ear because so many times people look at the label and they go directly to the label. Um, maybe expand a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, you know, as someone who grew up on an organic farm and whose parents have been running an organic farming organization for 35 years, you would assume that I might have a certain um, perspective on the topic, but um, the reality is that there's a lot of farms that are carrying an organic label that are not following good soil health practices, and the nutritional value of their crops makes that very clear. And there's a lot of farms that don't have an organic label that are following soil health practices um, whose crops are quite superior, and that's what we found when we did our research. We got samples of crops from <clears throat> grocery stores, from farmers markets, from all over the country, from organic and not organic, and you could not predict quality based on local or based on organic. It just was not, the data does not show that you can. You know, if you um, are growing things poorly and you're using sprays and chemicals, maybe, you know, that's a good reason to go for organic. But our thought is let's stop focusing on what we don't want, which is toxins. And let's start focusing on what we do want, which is nutrition. They say, you know, where attention goes, energy flows. Um, you know, in many cases, we are bothered with what we don't want. And our thought is, if we come together around what we do want, we can probably create it pretty rapidly. So let's, let's focus on solutions. One more point. We're looking at the nutrient quality, the nutrient density. But we're not talking about the food safety, right? Um, Maybe explain the difference between quality and food safety, because there's a lot of folks out there that may have some questions um, about, well, is that going to rot faster on the shelf, or is this going to rot slower, um, shelf stability, that sort of thing. Um, how can this help us create an even safer um, food system for us? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess food safety is a big conversation. If you're talking about, you know, spinach having um, the uh, e. Coli? e. coli on it, um, you know, E. coli happens naturally in the environment. And when your spinach has been grown well, the leaf surface of that spinach is covered with microbes that will kill E. coli. When you spray insecticides or fungicides or you, you, you know, wash that spinach in chlorinated water or you irradiate it and you kill the microbes on the leaf surface is when you create an environment where that E. coli can establish. So um, that's a much more complicated conversation. Um, it is generally safe to say that when a crop has been grown well, um, the shelf life is dramatically longer. Um, 
I use the example, as I did earlier this afternoon, of an orange on the kitchen counter. If you've seen an orange on the kitchen counter, you know, sit there for a couple of weeks and turn into a, a you know, green pulp, and you've seen orange on the kitchen counter turn sit there for a couple of weeks and turn into a hard brown ball, you know, what made one orange rot and another orange desiccate or dry up was the complexity of the compounds in it. And so... You know, that is applicable for spinach or kale or carrots or tomatoes or, you know, rice or beef. Um, the higher the nutritional value, the longer the shelf life. Um, and so, yeah, there's a number of positive feedback loops there. Well, we love to ask this question of everybody that we ever bring onto the podcast. Um, what's a question that I didn't ask that you want to make sure that people understand about your project and, and what you do and, and your goals with it? I think the one thing that I like to make sure to say or bring up is that there's a foundational, I think, misunderstanding that we have broadly these days, um, and that is that food is basically the same, that there's not much variation in your food. Um, You know, the organic food might not have chemicals in it, but it's not necessarily much different nutritionally, and... um, you know, that is just, it's such, it's, it's, it's really not true. Um, the nutritional variation in food within carrots, within cucumbers, within tomatoes can be 5 to 1, 10 to 1, 50 to 1 on the nutrient levels. Um, it actually is massively different. Like literally this leaf of spinach will have 16 times as much iron in it as that leaf of spinach. This carrot will have 75 times more polyphenols in it than that carrot. Um, How food is grown um, directly affects the nutritional value, the flavor, the health-giving attribute. And um, if we can focus our attention on choosing food to eat that has been grown well, um, I think the opportunity to really have some quite profound effects globally on the health of the ecosystem and the health of ourselves and perhaps even the health of our culture is quite exciting. Well, Dan Kittredge, thanks so much for coming out to uh, Salida to talk at, at Soil Health U. And we're going to have more coverage of Soil Health U speakers and topics in upcoming High Plains journals. You can follow us online, as always, anytime at www.hpj.com. Um, you can check out more at soilhealthu.net. Uh, thanks again, Dan. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Your grain market prices from Dodge City's Pride Ag Resources on February 18th. Corn was up at $3.73, wheat was up at $4.43, milo was up at $3.18, and soybeans were up at $7.77. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters on our website, www.hpj.com slash signup. Simply select the topics that interest you and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. So be sure to watch for the corn genetics issue of High Plains Journal in your mailboxes March 2nd with a story from David Murray. And look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com slash podcast. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts.
Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. The headlights on both ends.